The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. I'm joined by the Minister for uh, Public Expenditure, that being Pascal Donoghue, although in this instance we are probably going to spend more time on constituency matters than public expenditure matters because, of course, it was your constituency minister where all of Thursday's events happened. We will discuss all of that after the news. Before that, your reaction to the news overnight of Emily Hand being released? Uh, It's just wonderful news, wonderful news in particular for her family. And we just have to acknowledge the quiet leadership and heroism of her father. Uh, It also proves yet again the value of diplomacy, of engagement, the work the government did and also the behind the scenes work that happened from Qatar, from Egypt and from the United States of America. You Uh, think those three players were that significant? Yes, absolutely. And it is a reminder of how complex and tragic the situation is in the Middle East. Uh, and also the need to have allies and partners in making such sensitive and deeply important things happen. And I can only hope now that this sets the scene for more families to be reunited with their loved ones. Yeah, I suppose that's the one thing that in in the wider context you have to look at is whether or not this is indicative of a capacity to do diplomacy despite the conflict. Will we see more in the way of these kind of humanitarian pauses? Well, the greatest test of diplomacy is at moments in which you think it has broken down. It has moments in which violence and conflict has taken the place of the spoken word. Uh, But what you are seeing is countries who are still committed to do two things. Uh, Firstly, amidst these scenes of awful horror, Uh, to try to make progress on humanitarian issues. And secondly, and I know this sounds uh, a difficult statement to make, but your planning for peace uh, has to be at its greatest when conflict and war rages. We will talk in in detail about it in a second. The events on Thursday night, you were down on Friday morning in uh, O'Connell Street. And by the way, one of the the groups that hasn't got a lot of attention in this is the tremendous work being done by Dublin City Council and the people from the Lewis. I'm I'm so glad you've brought them up uh, on a Friday morning when I went down there. I, I met the City Council cleaners, who I understand had been there since half three in the morning. And when I arrived down there, all the lampposts Uh, in O'Connell Street were being repainted or had been repainted. And that is the quiet heroism, uh, quiet heroic efforts. And I will use that word deliberately of what went on from the city council in particular to get our city moving again and to see the work from Dublin Bus and from the NTA and from those who run our Lewis to get all of that running again is is wonderful work which amidst the difficult situation that we are now in we have to acknowledge. A horrendous though one assumes to see the centre of your constituency in that kind of situation burned out Lewis burned out guard the cars burned out buses. I, I was so uh, when I arrived there on Friday morning uh, I had so many different emotions coming through me the first one which of course I still have is my deep concern uh, for uh, those children who are still so wounded and of course for those who were looking after them and Uh, They are uppermost in my mind, even though we're going to go on and talk about other very serious matters as well. And then I never thought I would ever see a part of the city I know so well, a school I know so well, a crash I know, and a part of our city, which I go through every single day, uh, have a burnt out bus in it uh, and be the scene of such looting and violence. 
and uh, we have to learn from us and we have to get over us from us and we have to make sure it doesn't happen again. The Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue, is with us. It was, of course, in his constituency uh, where all of those uh, riots happened on Thursday night. A lot of the coverage and a lot of the analysis would suggest that this was a legacy of light-touch policing and under-attentiveness from the Minister for Justice to what has been developing in Dublin for some time. Is that fair? Uh, I don't believe it is. Uh, if you look at the increase in resources that have been made available to the guards, if you look at our efforts with regard to recruit guard recruitment, if you look at our efforts to respond back to issues in the city centre in the last number of months, I believe we were responding back to those issues. But all that being said, in addition to my full support for Minister McEntee and the Garda Commissioner, they and I simply have to acknowledge that what happened on Thursday night, and I feel this very personally because I know so well where all of this happened, was unacceptable. We will have to learn lessons from it, and we will. Uh, and we have to rethink uh, the conditions that led to this happening and what we will do to prevent it from happening again. Now, obviously, there's a lot of discussion about there needing to be analysis and all of that can be done. But I assume a lot of what we know is now self-evident from what we saw on social media and, and what we saw on, on broadcast. Therefore, the kind of things that you think are the solution are what? This well, the number one thing we have to do is get our city back. We cannot give an inch. We cannot give an inch to the forces that were unleashed, unleashed in our city on Thursday night. And the two steps that are a priority at the moment are number one, uh, in the run up to Christmas in particular, and I met city centre businesses yesterday afternoon and I'm in no illusion of the effect this has had on their business. Uh, we have to keep our city safe, make sure it is not the setting the scene for a repeat of what we saw happen on Thursday night. But secondly, as we are doing that, uh, we, we need to reach out to all in our country who are feeling so worried and so traumatised by what happened to those who were working in our businesses on Thursday night who had to endure horrific scenes, uh, to those who are worried now about their own safety. Uh, we have to reach out and have the right tone and reassure those at this very difficult time. You say the forces. Who are you describing as the forces? Is this a, a bunch of disenfranchised young criminals or is this the far right? For me, it is a mixture. Uh, so I, I never thought I would ever be on your show or indeed anywhere else having to talk about how the attack on children uh, and somebody looking after them uh, would be the cause for looting and the cause for the huge damage done to our city and our social fabric. But it has now happened. So what I believe is happening here is a mixture of two different for uh, forces and elements. The first one is an element in the far right uh, which seeks to use those appalling scenes and events on Thursday afternoon in Parnell Square as an opportunity to make political points. And that then was a catalyst for looting and criminality by thugs. To the first of those, how do you um, break that cycle and that pattern of, of far-right propaganda? Is it regulation of the social media entities? Is that it? So that plays a part in us, but that is already happening. Uh, on Thursday afternoon, as this incident developed, our media regulator contacted all the social media platforms and required that they activate a critical incident plan in terms of the content that was on their platforms. And our media regulator will now, social media regulator will now review their response to that 
and make a decision in relation to its adequacy. So that's the step that has already been taken. In other words, sorry, just so that I understand it, so they will look at these social media platforms and say, we asked you to do X, you either did it or didn't do it. If you didn't do it, what's the penalty? Well, there's fines available. There's a fine of up to 20 million euro or a fine of 10% of turnover and that's in place. Uh, the legislation is in place to do that. The regulator is in place to do it. Uh, I think, however, the answer is a lot more complex than that, to tell the truth. And we just briefly touch on it, because what I'm talking about is the response back to what happened on Thursday afternoon. That's only part of your question. The broader part of your question is the broader conditions within which these conspiracies and tone has developed. Uh, Firstly, we will not and cannot let criminality and looting frame a discussion regarding cohesion within our society. And what we need to do now is uh, make the case for the value of, continue to make the case for the value of an open and inclusive society, which has enriched our country and will continue to enrich our country. And secondly, what we have to do then is look at the social conditions that can lead to that view flourishing and continue with the slow, steady work to diminish that. Okay, well, let me pick up on that then. So if if we park the criminal aspect for a moment and we look at that social cohesion as you refer to it, surely one of the things that is causing the big challenge in social cohesion is the kind of things that you and I would have talked about before, like the housing crisis, where people can point to the housing, what they perceive to be, the housing of refugees getting in the way of housing being provided for them and their families or whatever else it might be. Those are the kind of things that are causing these rifts, aren't they? Uh, So again, I respectfully make the point to you that uh, that view and that kind of uh, debate that is there cannot be used. And I will never, um, I I will never allow that to set the context then for looting and damage to criminal property. Breaking into arnets and stealing clothing isn't an act of a political statement. It's criminality. And I met, I've met the staff who were affected by this and I've seen now the effect it is having on, on them, not to mention their business. Uh, but the uh, issue that you have referred to there in terms of the, you know, the, the, the dislocation or the effect that uh, migration may have. The on sense housing. of resentment that we see. But th- this is why we have taken such efforts here in Ireland to ensure that our efforts to support those who are coming from Ukraine are fleeing the breakdown of their state in other parts of the world, while all the spending in relation to that has been on top of our day-to-day spending. So that the fact is that if you look at the additional money that has been made available to uh, house those who are fleeing war, that is not taking the place of a single cent or a single euro that we are spending on dealing with our housing difficulties. It's on top of us. And I I don't want to bring in technical language of non-core and core expenditure in the midst of discussing such issues of principle. But the reality is that every cent that we have spent in dealing with the social consequences of migration in the last 18 months has been on top of the money that we are already planning to spend on our health services and housing. We talked about parking the, the criminal element. Let's unpark them for a second. Is that an element in your own constituency? So I think it's something that affects every constituency and every community. And I am so proud. Does of it? The, the leafy South Dublin suburbs, do they have the same problem? Oh, I think in different ways. I think, look, that's a fair point. And that's why we've had such efforts underway in the northeast inner city over the last number of years to deal with the conditions and the issues that in turn led to criminality happening, which the communities of the northeast inner city were disgusted by. There's nobody more appalled by what happened 
on Thursday night, not to mention the horror of Thursday afternoon, then the communities within which these scenes took place, the great people and decent people that made clear their reaction to it in terms of their their heroic acts on Thursday. Uh, And we will have to continue with the work we need to do to target that kind of criminality. Uh, But the people I represent and the people who live in Dublin Central are even more appalled than anyone else because some of these scenes took place in parts of our city that we love. A lot of texts coming in around body cams, around the use of uh, AI for facial um, recognition and about effectively resourcing the Gardaí because that was a point that Conor Lenehan made before the break that we have seen a significant departure from on Garda Siakana and a, a significant challenge in recruiting. That challenge in recruiting cannot be helped by what we saw on Thursday. So just a word on each of them. Body cams were already due to happen. Uh, and the work in relation to that and the legislation for that was already in hand and taking place and we will now accelerate that. Uh, But Minister McEntee has been making the case for that and for the introduction of body cams and has taken the steps to make it happen. In relation to artificial intelligence, uh, we are now looking at steps to accelerate our use of it. And just to bring that practically to life for your listeners, we now have thousands of hours of footage for everybody who was involved in those scenes on Thursday night and we now t- need to use technology as opposed to guard and man hours to detect those people. Our Minister McEntee is going to look at what steps we need to take to make that happen. And from a guard the resourcing point of view, we've around 14,000 guards within our country now. We've around 3,700 of them in Dublin. And for example, in 2015, 2016, we would have had around 12,600, 12,700 guards. But of course, so the number of guards that we have has increased But of course, Anton, what happened on Thursday night is a reminder of how difficult their work is. And we'll have to look now at what we can do to build on the 800 guard recruits, seven or 800 guard recruits that are already in Templemore. Are you satisfied with the speed of the response on Thursday? Because there does seem to be, I mean, a lot of the reports today are saying that at 7pm that day, there were calls for Gardaí to be brought in from as far away as Sligo. A lot of people will have seen that incident happen mid-afternoon and say, if this, as it turns out, is usable by the far right, this is going to all kick off this evening. It seems to have been a lot of time ticking by before we saw guards being brought in from around the country. So I believe the guards responded uh, as well as they could and really in situations that, as I said, were without precedent. And for me, it's also a, a matter of personal experience because I, I know many of these guards and I've seen the amazing work they have done, for example, in tackling organised crime. Uh, but we have already said... That but did we, guard management deploy enough of them fast enough? Uh, I believe they, they did, but we've also said we have to learn from what happened because clearly what happened on Thursday evening, in particular in O'Connell Street and Abbey Street and Henry Street, uh, was unacceptable. We were not able to maintain for too long a law and order in the heart of our city. And the uh, evidence that is there now of Gardaí being uh, brought in from outside of Dublin quickly, for me, isn't evidence of failure. It is evidence of how quickly steps were being taken to get the Gardaí on our streets to in turn then mount a response back that was safe for the guards to do. But look, Anton, I'll make the case for the guards uh, doing their very best, both individually and collectively in appalling circumstances, but I'll also openly acknowledge, as the Guard Commissioner has done, that in the cold light of day, we have to step back and see what happened, what did we need to do differently. 
The front page of the Business Post, as I said, has a, a stunning picture from yeah, O'Connell Street I've of seen the it. burned out Lewis and the, the burned out bus beside it. And it says 20 million euro cleanup, but full cost is much higher. Obviously, the prime focus has to be on the people who live in the area, the businesses in the area, and of course, the horrendous uh, assault or rather attack on Thursday. There is, however, a financial cost to all of this. And this is within your bailiwick as minister. Have you any idea how much damage this has done in direct cost and in reputational impact for both tourism and business? For the so country? it's very significant. But as you correctly say, and you said it in your question to me, of course, what's uppermost in our minds is the victims who are still in hospital today. Uh, and they're in our thoughts and prayers. But in terms of the economic cost, um, I can simply say that it is going to be very, very significant. And uh, uh, I was in the city centre myself yesterday, as I was early on Friday morning. I met the employers who are bearing that cost and they were very, very clear to me in the impact it's going to have on their business. But they had one simple, clear message for me as well, uh, which is in order to uh, regain uh, where we want to be economically, uh, we have to have the conditions in place in our city centre of safety in the run up to Christmas and beyond. That is what they want and now it is now up to us to work collectively within government to make that happen. A lot of texts coming in, a lot of WhatsApps about the issue of penalties that actually have an effect on the type of people who get involved in this kind of rioting. Have you got, do you have faith that the courts have the capacity to hand down sentences that will make a blind bit of difference to the people who do this? So I do. I mean, if you look at what the offences are at the moment, uh, we've now doubled the sentence for an assault causing crime on anybody. And we have now increased the sentence for anybody who assaults a guard or a frontline worker. So all of that has been done. Uh, but it's also, we have to acknowledge the case, that even with those increased penalties and sanctions, I saw with my own two eyes, as you did, um, particularly on Thursday evening, young adults for whom those sanctions were not a deterrent. And that, for me, is one of the key issues that we will have to do further work on. Uh, text saying, Anton, my husband had to lock himself and his team into an internal room on an office in Abbey Street because they were told it wasn't safe to leave. Some saying it was calm from 10pm onwards. There were still gangs trying to break windows at 2 and 3am. He spent the night in there. I'm sick of hearing that this is an exception and Dublin is overall safe. It's simply not and McEntee needs to go and a, a lot a, a along those lines. 53106 at a cost of 30 cents if you want to get in touch or 87 uh, Minister, on a totally unrelated thing, we spoke earlier on about the release of Emily Hand and as you saw, I just got handed a note and I just wanted to get your reaction to it because the uh, RTE are reporting that um, the uh, Taoiseach tweeted that there was enormous joy and relief that an innocent child who was lost has now been found and returned and we breathe a massive sigh of relief. In response to that tweet, the Israeli foreign minister, Eli Cohen, has said, it seems you've lost your moral compass and need a reality check. Emily Hand was not lost. She was kidnapped by a terror organisation worse than ISIS that murdered her stepmother. And apparently now the ambassador, the Irish ambassador in Israel is going to be called in for a reprimand. So the Taoiseach has been unambiguous in condemning the uh, atrocious, uh, the atrocities that were committed by Hamas. 
Uh, and what of the notion that the Irish ambassador is about to be reprimanded for that tweet? Uh, well, it's up to the Israeli government to have any meeting or engagement they want with our diplomat. And I'm sure when our ambassador goes in, uh, the ambassador will be able to point to all the Taoiseach has said about what Hamas has done and the uh, atrocities that they committed. But that's and significant in diplomatic terms. Calling in an ambassador for addressing down, that, that's not something you take lightly. It's not something you do take lightly, likewise. Uh, uh, but it is the right of the Israeli government, if that's what they wish to do, just as we have engaged with their ambassador here in Ireland. Uh, and uh, the uh, Taoiseach, I, I think in using the phrase, was lost and was found. I mean, I have to say that is language that has a particular cadence for me when we talk about a child. Uh, but it has to be seen in the context of how he and the government and I have also condemned the actions of Hamas and have described what they have done as kidnapping in the strongest possible terms. Minister, thank you very much for your time this morning. That thank is you, the Anton. Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.